Welcome to the Top Business Leaders Podcast. You'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more and to download our show notes, go to topbusinessleaders.com. I'm pleased to welcome today's guest, Tasha Yurik, a true New York Times best-selling author. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Dan. My pleasure. Tasha, why don't you tell our audience a little bit about you? I, uh, for the last 15 or so years, I have been an organizational psychologist. And companies like Salesforce, Walmart, Whataburger, even the NBA, hire them, hire me to help make their leaders more successful. And the way I do that is I use evidence-based tools and approaches to help them bust through their own barriers. So whether they're not getting the results they want in their role, whether they're uh, worried about kind of blind spots or things they're not seeing, I really just help them reach the next level in their performance and their objective success. Fantastic. Now, you are a true New York Times bestselling author. Tell us the name of the book and how you got to be to that, to that exalted status. <laughs> yes, the author Holy Grail. It was a lot of hard work. So this was my first book, Bankable Leadership, which came out in 2013. And through a uh, aggressive and all-consuming pre-sale campaign, we were able to have it debut at number eight on the New York Times bestseller list. Fantastic. Can you tell us about that campaign? Who bought the book? How did you go about making that happen? So for me, it was about activating my existing uh, audience members, clients, and network, and um, being a little bit creative in terms of not only wanting to sell bulk orders of, of the book, obviously, but to even exchange that for some services. So I would have a you know consulting client or a potential consulting client that would be ready to sign a contract. And I would say, um, hey, I'm going to give you a, a 50% discount on some of these books, <laughs> right? And just to get more books out there into the world. Or we would make sure that when I was doing a keynote, for example, that every single member of the audience got a book. And it was about, gosh, I think it was, it, it felt like 10 years, but it was about a six or eight month campaign. So one of the big takeaways that I tell other authors for that process is start early. It's so common that you're getting everything ready and you're just finishing the book and then you're so tired and you need a break, but it's really after you turn in your book to your publisher that you should be really starting to hit the ground running. Great. You, you answered my next question of when do you get started as you're writing the book or when you're done writing the book and you turn it in. So thank you for filling that in. Um, I'm just curious. Uh, a lot of people use lead generations and lead magnets and uh, offer free white papers or reports or sample chapters. Was that part of your strategy too or did you do other things? So for my most recent book, we did something that was actually very cool. Um, so it's called Insight. It's focused on my research on self-awareness. And it came out the hardcover in 2017 and then the paperback last year. And we put together a five-minute quiz, basically, where people could answer 14 questions 
they sent uh, an assessment to someone who knew them well, who answered 14 questions about them. And they got this nice little report back that was a, a high level picture of their current level of self-awareness. Mm -hmm. And what, what I found to be true and what I know you espouse also is that if we're giving people value, it's easy to sort of bring them along. And, and we expected that the, the quiz, you know, would be kind of something we use for the pre-sale campaign or for the book launch. But, you know, a couple of years later, we still get thousands of people who are filling this out every single month um, who are getting a taste and a flavor of the content of the book. They're getting, you know, I, I always, I put in kind of one or two things they can do right away to become more self-aware. So they're getting started in their journey. And the idea is, Obviously, we want them to buy the book, um, but even if they don't, they're starting to talk about this topic. They um, know my name. They know the name of the book. Um, and that's been, you know, it, it, for, for some people, I'm lucky enough to have an internal uh, web development person who is married to me and lives mm -hmm. with me. <laughs> but even if, even if you hire someone to make something like that, it's such a nominal cost for the, the marketing you get because you're actually bringing value to people. So that would probably be my number one learning over the last couple of books is doing something like that makes it easy to promote the book. Did any of those people who filled out the questionnaire ultimately become clients of yours? A surprising number. <laughs> I, I guess I, I, I'm just not smart enough to know what's going to happen when I release books. Um, with Insight, my most recent title, I expected that it would help me the most with speaking. And it has. It's helped me a tremendous amount of, for speaking. And I've been able to go all around the world and, and talk to so many inspiring, great groups of leaders. But it's also been a phenomenal consulting um, lead generator. And I never expected that. You know, I sort of thought they were all these interesting stories about people who got more self-aware. But in fact, I did talk about my consulting and the results that I achieved in my consulting. And, you know, it just goes back to as intentional as we can all be about what we put in our book for the result we want. You know, I sort of had some dumb luck, I think, but in, in my third book, which I'm just starting right now, I'm going to take that lesson and try to be even more deliberate about it. How has a book helped you grow your business? You know, I think for me, I think in verticals. So I, I mentioned my speaking vertical. I mentioned my consulting vertical. I see me as an author being a vertical. Obviously, if you can get a good advance and you know continue to write books, that can be a, a great way to generate additional revenue. Um, so it, it's helped me in, in all three areas. And uh, again, I think it's all about positioning and you and I you know, have talked about this offline, but how do you want the book to position you? And for me, it, it, as a speaker, what I wanted to do was really kind of talk about a topic that everyone's discussing peripherally. You know, we hear this, this term self-awareness all the time, but what I wanted to do is try to carve out um, that swim lane as my swim lane. And I think, you know, as I mentioned, there have been some benefits to consulting, but that was my, kind of my main purpose with this book was when people heard my name, I wanted them to associate that with the topic of self-awareness and our, you know, five plus year research program that we did on the topic, the first of its kind. I'm just taking notes here. Uh, this is great. Great for branding, great for marketing. Thank you. Um, you, you talk about research. Do you have a whole team, do you have a whole team that does this research and how do you go about 
deciding on the research, deciding on your topic, and deciding what to put in the book. That's, that's a massive amount of data. How do you uh, deal with all of that? Great question. Uh, a lot of richness in the answer, so I'll try to keep it simple. Um, one question that I, ask, I get asked a lot from other thought leaders is, you know, you're not affiliated with a university. How do you do your research? And for me, I'm lucky because I, I, I have a PhD in industrial organizational psychology. I am a bona fide nerd. There's, <laughs> you know, the two words research says are like the sexiest words in the English language to me. <laughs> so I, I just sort of have that natural bent or inclination to uh, qu- use quantitative research to better understand human beings and businesses and leaders. And, and so that's sort of the way I see the world. But practically, it's actually not as difficult as most people think. So let's say you're someone who maybe wants to start doing some research uh, in your area of thought leadership, but you don't know how to get started. One of the best ways to do that is to contact uh, a, a graduate school, ideally in your area, um, where they teach something related to the subject that you're an expert in. So I was recently advising a friend of mine on a topic that was sort of like business and education combined. And so he's reaching out to PhD education programs to see if there is a doctoral candidate who knows how to do quantitative research, who might want some practical credit or, you know, kind of a small honorarium. Uh, And that's how I think almost anybody can do this is you finding a student, finding somebody who's hungry that can help you create some of these research questions, get your, you know, surveys created, get you data and results. Uh, Another great forum that actually didn't exist when I was in grad school, I would have died for this, um, is something called MTurk. And MTurk is a uh, a marketplace where basically you can pay people to fill out your surveys. And what's cool about that database, um, and we use that to your question for a lot of our research from my book, um, is, is if you're willing to invest a little bit of money, you can get this great diverse samples, like way more diverse than you would typically get by going to a a university and surveying their psychology uh, undergrads, Mm -hmm. taking a 101 class. So it's little tricks like that that I think most people are not aware of that show just how accessible it is to be able to do research. Now for us, it's been a little different because we are focused on uh, peer-reviewed sort of um, outcomes where, you know, obviously I, I did the research for Insight. We surveyed thousands of people all around the world. We did in-depth interviews with people who increased their level of self-awareness. Um, and we've been working on a paper for several years that were this close to finally submitting. Um, but not everybody has to do that, right? Not everyone is necessarily going to care about whether you have academic credibility, the most important thing is that you're researching something important and you're giving your audience and your potential audience some really good actionable insights from that data. I'm taking notes again. Actionable. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. Uh, MTurk. How do you spell that? I know it's kind of a weird name. So it's the letter M mm-hmm. and then T-U-R-K.com. Like Turkey without the EY. Exactly. Okay, cool. Okay, great. Um, In using your research, did you find that you used all of your research questions, most of the research questions, or or how did that pan out? 
Oh, man. <laughs> I wish I could say we were completely intentional. Nothing surprised us. We never had to redo a study. But that's just not the way it works. Um, and I think, again, what's the takeaway for all of us as thought leaders? It's to approach it with a genuine curiosity. You know, So for us, for example, I thought we were going to be able to define what self-awareness was in maybe a couple months. And we reviewed almost a thousand empirical journal articles. We did that so that other people didn't have to. And the answer was not straightforward. So it, it took us um, almost two years to really come up with a good definition of just what is self-awareness as a basis. And so I think if you anticipate that there are going to be turns, I, I would liken it to you're doing a home renovation. And you've got a general contractor and they're saying, oh, this is going to be great and everything's going to be so beautiful. Um, but they're going to discover things in the process that you didn't know were there. And there are going to be obstacles that you just can't foresee no matter what, no matter how smart you are, how much you plan. And so the way I tried to look at it, especially in those very dark moments, um, was this is a, an unfolding process. I have to approach it with curiosity. I'm going to have some wrong turns. That's okay. It doesn't mean that the end product isn't going to be valuable for people. Um, so that's that's sort of the, the look behind the curtain of what it really sort of feels like to do the scientific research. Okay. So you have all the scientific research of, you know, two years worth of you know, thousands of papers you've read, uh, thousands of people who've reviewed your, your questionnaires and stuff, you have a mountain of data. How do you distill it down to, say, 200 pages or whatever the uh, size of your book is? How do you decide so, what to keep? Yeah, a, another great question. Um, I, I've been accused of sometimes having a little more detail than is needed. So this is always something that I'm working on. Um, for example, the, the second draft of the book was literally half the length of the first draft. <laughs> Um, but what I tried to do was think about it from a, 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 a chapter standpoint. So I've got all this data, that's fine, but what's the narrative of sort of the progression of this idea? And if I thought about it in chapters, right, so there's got to be some type of introductory chapter about what self-awareness is and what are the different facets or aspects of self-awareness. There's got to be a chapter coming after that about some of the hidden obstacles and roadblocks that most people don't even know are there that get in the way. Um, and then obviously you've got to start to get into how do you help people improve their self-awareness. Um, and for me, that was helpful. And whenever I felt like I was getting too much into the weeds with the data, I would pull up and say, what's the overall narrative or story that we're trying to tell? Did you have an outline for the book before you got started or did you change it as you do? you learn more things from your research? Uh, yes, is the answer. <laughs> so I had the outline. And uh, as we were going through, obviously, we were learning new things. I was finding, uh, you know, new stories that were helping me understand the topic in new ways. Um, and for me, I think the outline is sort of a living, breathing document. So it's, for me, it's easiest to start that way, because I'm more intuitive. Um, and I kind of like the, the big picture first, but that doesn't mean that it shouldn't change and evolve as you go. I'm wondering, did you have a, a contract with a, with a publisher at that point and you promised to deliver them a certain kind of book? And as you did your research, you found out that this book was going to be markedly different than the original idea. Did that come into play at all? 
Thankfully, it did not. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the reason I think that was, was I, I, so our research program has been going on for about six years now. Um, and you can do the math, right? Two years ago was when Insight came out. So we had been researching this topic for years um, before I sold the book. And I think there is value in that. You know, you don't want to get so spun up that you never get your proposal out there. But that was a lesson I learned that I'm going to replicate for book number three, which is have a have a really good handle on the topic so that I can, you know, and, and it doesn't mean that the publisher isn't going to have feedback and, and make it better. I had the world's most amazing editor who helped me do that. Um, but I think having, having a clear perspective is um, partially what's, what's going to help you sell the book in the first place, right? If you're kind of wishy-washy, well, I might talk about this. I might talk about this. They don't know what they're buying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. You've done a TED talk. Did that TED talk come before or after you published your book? So I've done two TED Talks. Um, <laughs> their combined viewer total is, I, I checked recently, I think it's about 4 million uh, views. So wow. did pretty well. Um, never expected that. My first TED Talk came after my first book. And it was basically trying to take a concept from the book and zero in on it a little bit. Um, I wanted to use that TED Talk more for um, just getting out there as a thought leader. So I didn't have any particular goals beyond I wanted more people to kind of be aware of the work I was doing. My second TED Talk came about a year after I published my second book. So, you know, I think there's a lot to be said for can you do it early? Can you use it to promote the book? But I also think that I was lucky to have been talking about the topics of my book, you know, at that time for about a year. Um, to figure out what was the most compelling, powerful topic I could choose for my TED Talk. So I think you can sort of argue it both ways, but from my standpoint, doing it about a year afterwards ended up being uh, a pretty good timeline. Okay. Um, One final set of questions. Since you've published your books, have you found that it's either A, easier to get clients than before, and B, did you raise your rates at all because of the books and the success of the books? So yeah, so it's it's supply and demand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been, uh, I think the the biggest change that I've seen is I'm able to be picky about my clients now, and not for the sake of being picky or turning people away, but to ask myself, would I work with this person for free? And that's a pretty high bar, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That's a really high bar. But what I what I think has happened as as a result of the success I've had with these two books is people who come to me as leads are, they know me better. They understand the work that I do. They, you know, nine times out of 10, they've read one of my books and that automatically sort of draws them to me in a way that people who don't like my work are not going to be drawn to me. Um, so I think the the leads I get end up being more likely to go through and, and actually become uh, clients and long-term clients. And, uh, you know, I, I can also say, you know what, I, I appreciate you thinking of me for this. I don't think I'm the right person for you. I'd be happy to give you a referral. And to me, that's even more important than money is to look back and say, over the course of my career, do I feel good in my gut about the difference I made for the world and the types of people I worked with? Um, and, and, and right now I'm, I'm lucky to be able to say yes. Fantastic. Congratulations on your success. Tasha, tell us a little bit more about how we can get in touch with you and the names of your, your books and a little plug for your, the book that you're writing on now. And when do you think we'll, we'll see that? 
<laughs> you and my agent have been asking me that question <laughs> for quite some time now. Um, so uh, third book is a ways away. I'm, I'm hoping to sell it sometime next year. Um, so and then it goes into the process. But the two books I have, uh, the first one is Bankable Leadership, Happy People, Bottom Line Results, and The Power to Deliver Both. And my second book is called Insight, The Surprising Truth About How Others See Us, How We See Ourselves, and Why the Answers Matter More Than We Think. And I'm very findable, um, <laughs> so I, I won't give you all the information, but TashaYurik.com is the best place to find me. I'm always happy to talk to other thought leaders. I think we're all in this together, and it's our, it's our duty to support one another. Thanks for listening to Top Business Leaders, the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.